For so many modern-driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional, and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present with our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other smart, conscious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. In our business, we're big fans of financial literacy and accountability. Knowing your numbers is an essential aspect of building a successful business and an inherent responsibility for any entrepreneur. We also believe that what you focus on grows. So pay attention to your money. How do we stay up to speed on our numbers? We use Bench for our bookkeeping. It's simple, elegant, and saves us so many hours that would otherwise be spent neck deep in receipts on the other side of a spreadsheet. Each month, our transactions are automatically imported into Bench and we get on-demand financial reports. We even enjoy opening up our profit and loss statement to review each month. And when tax time comes around, we are up to date and ready to go. And this is what financial empowerment feels like. Head on over to anshe.co slash bench to save 20% off your Bench accounting plan for the first six months. Welcome to the And She Spoke podcast. Hello, Jenny. Hello, everybody. Hey, Sandy. Okay, well, today's episode is just me and Sandy, just the two of us, and we're going to discuss seven reasons why your business isn't making money or isn't making enough money. Yeah, it's a good one. We've been seeing this with some of our clients and some of our peers, and I think we've got some really great points to make to get people to sort of sit, take stock of what is happening in their business, because often there's like this bump and this start and this excitement, and then after that first launch, it's like, whoa, what's going on? What's my next step? Yeah, and we've talked a bit on the podcast and in our community about this idea of optimizing to stay in the game because as you know, if you listen to our show or you know anything about us and the way that we work, we really focus on the long game. And entrepreneurship is an ultra marathon or even not a three-month game. Like an endless relay ultra marathon that never ends. And so, I mean, it's just natural to have dips and bursts and low points, but it's also natural to have peaks and mountains and and really happy, spectacular moments in business. And I think that part of the problem is that, you know, as humans and as goal-driven people, we tend to think there's this, there's got to be this one thing. And if I learn and master this one thing, I'm going to be successful or I'm going to make enough money. And we've actually honed in on about seven things that could be reasons why you're not making as much money as you would like in your business. And so we want to share that list of seven with you today. 
Okay, let's go for it. So number one number is you're not focused on one thing. Yes. And we have a podcast episode from years ago called One, which we will link to in the show notes, which is one of our most popular episodes and one that we continue to send folks to. And this idea of focus in your business is really important and really optimizing, especially in the early days, weeks, months, and even years to focus on really one offer and honing in on one thing that you're good at and that works for your business. And so there is this natural tendency to just jump to a new offer or a new product or program if the one that you're offering isn't succeeding, right? So it's like, okay, well, it must be the wrong thing. I'm going to go make a new thing. And then that doesn't get me the results I want. So I'm going to go make a new thing. And we see this all the time, not just in the online business space where we work, but also in just every kind of every kind of internet business or startup. It's it's sort of like, okay, well, I'm going to try something and then I'm going to fail fast and then I'm going to try something else. And in, in this case, we really want to encourage you not to do that because so much of the work in online business is around marketing. And so it may just be that you're not putting enough effort into your marketing or you're not being strategic enough in your marketing. So this idea just to leapfrog to the next new thing is almost always a mistake. You just want to make sure that you're not spinning your wheels and wasting time making more products and more products and more products. Well, that's kind of logical, right? Like I understand why people do that. They think that thing is the problem. That thing that I made, nobody wants. I'm going to go make another thing Mm -hmm. or... If I have more things to sell, then my revenue should double or triple. And that's just not the case, as you said. So I think it's 100% a marketing thing. So it's frustrating for us to watch, actually, because people are like, oh, I'll just abandon that and do another thing. It's like, oh, but you, there's so many variables that we need to look at on that offer that you have. So let's go to the next one, Jenny. It's timing. What does that look like? Yeah. So, I mean, timing, I think, is... This comes up when people launch something before they're ready to launch. And I think it also comes up just strategically in a calendar year. Maybe you chose to launch something in the dead of summer when not a lot of people are buying the kind of program or product that you offer. And then you look at your results of your launch, for example, and then you quickly your mind turns to thinking like this didn't work or this wasn't the right thing or I have to pivot. And truly, it just could be that your timing was off. Another place where timing comes up as a problem is that people relaunch a program, product, or service before they have gained enough new followers. And so like you launched something maybe three months ago, you had some level of success, and then you just kind of sat on it and were like, okay, I'm going to do this again in three months because that's what I goal planned on my calendar. But you didn't really do a lot to get your business ready for another launch. And so your second launch is kind of a disappointment because you didn't really do the work needed to make it a good fit and make the timing work. Okay. And that moves us nicely into the next point, which is that you just don't have enough new people on your list or as part of your audience. Yeah. I think this, the bigger piece here is that your audience is just too small. So if you're going to make something for a group of people and then sell it to them, you have to have a group of people to sell to. And so you can start with 
we teach beta launching, which means you can start from an audience of zero and build an entire business around solving a problem or pain point in an existing niche market. But when you're really ready to grow and bring in real revenue in your business, you have to have a group of people there to sell to. And so either you've gathered them and they're on your email list, or you've gathered them in your physical space and you have a brick and mortar, you've gotten them in the door, boots in the door, or you have a significant presence on social media on one or more platforms and you have an audience of people or followers there, or you're willing to put some money into paid marketing and go find people, be willing to pay per person that you bring in to your audience. And so any of those are legitimate and they all have costs and benefits associated with them, but audience size, constant audience growth is a real issue and a real strategic hurdle that people need to learn how to accommodate for in their business. Yes, it's called burning out your list. If you sell to them once or twice, and then you just like the sales are not going to be there. You have to constantly be growing that audience so that as you launch through the year that you've got new people who are willing, eager, and excited. Yes. Okay, product market fit. This issue plays into a number of the other reasons that we're laying out in the podcast today, but essentially you've built the wrong thing. And this is very, very, very common. In fact, I think I would say this is the most common problem is that you've just built the thing that you think people want or that you felt like building. And sometimes that's a home run and you get lucky, but more often than not, that's not going to work. And so you have to be very careful about thinking about your business and your offer as solving a problem or a set of problems for a certain group of people and that you tailor what you make for that specific reason. So just deciding I'm going to open an XYZ online shop and people will come and buy my thing is a terrible idea. That is not how the world works and that is not how business works. And maybe it worked in the offline world when there were crowds of people on sidewalks bustling by every day, but that is not the world that we live in right now. So we wanna make sure that you are developing a product that is solving a problem for a specific kind of person. And the only way you know that is by doing the research and having the conversations. Yeah, you need to figure out from real people what they want, and then you need to go make the thing, and then you need to sell it. And if people pay actual money for the thing that you made, then you know you're on to something and you can scale. But until people have given you an exchange of energy in the form of money, you have no idea if you have product market fit. So we teach all of this in our Launch With Intention program. You can learn more about that at launchwithintention.com. But that is the secret to getting started in business is making sure that you have a product that people want to pay for. Okay. So then the next one is what if you are speaking to the wrong quintessential client or the wrong audience? Yeah, you're not going to succeed, right? And so this is another piece where we see this pop up for folks who are transitioning from offline to online, where you were serving a certain group or specific clientele in the offline space with your expertise and your specific domain knowledge. And you had a group of people that were eager to buy what you sold. And then you moved online and that might not translate. So you may end up needing, maybe the audience of people that you are serving in the offline world is not big enough to translate into an online business, or maybe it is just a different audience and you have to figure that out. So the good news is, you know, there are billions and billions of people connected to the internet every day. And so you have kind of a limitless 
number of possible kinds of people to target, but you really have to hone in on who your quintessential client is and who your target audience is. And if you're selling the wrong product, (laughs) the wrong time to those people, it's not going to work, right? So the people part, the right people is an important factor here. And I think we could do a whole podcast on this alone, but I think what we're seeing is that people who had in-person business, brick and mortar businesses, and have now transitioned to online, they had built a community around a physical space, a geographical area. And it can be quite difficult to completely move that online because there is so much general, you know, in this, from a lot of our clients, they teach yoga. So just general yoga online. I think the key here with getting the right QC is to really start to niche down, like hyper, hyper, hyper niche down. So you're speaking to someone specifically and not just to the population at general. So I think that I predict that a lot of the success from our clients will be those that really are able to be very specific on their quintessential client and their audience. Yeah. And humans love to find each other, people like them. Like we love to gravitate towards people that have some kind of idiosyncrasy that aligns with ours. And so if you're actually building a program or community for a very, very specific niche audience, it's remarkable how how that can work and how satisfied people can be to, to participate in what you're creating. And so, yeah. Then you have no competition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like exactly. So specific, no one else is doing that. And right. it's just a no brainer for that audience to join your program or course or membership or whatever it is. Yeah. You have very limited competition for the most part. And the more niche you get, I mean, you could have something where there's five characteristics, like the person is between 32 and 37 and they have two children and a pet rabbit and they're experiencing headaches, right? Like you could go as specific as you want and there will be people. You just have to find enough people and the right people for what you're selling. And I also want to talk about this because I know we have a lot of clients ourselves who have transitioned from the offline brick and mortar world into the online space. And I want to also commend and and pay attention to the fact that they had niched. It's just that their niche were, were like the people who walked down Riverfront Parkway between 8 a.m. and 7 p.m. <laughs> and like you had a niche market. You did. They just it was not based on your offering being niched down in particular. It was based on the fact that you were geographically fixed in a certain location. So it was like very particular that people who lived within two blocks of your studio, for example, example, were your niche market. And so it's not different. It's just that your niche market was baked into your business before and you didn't really have to think about it. Although I would bet that you thought about it when you decided to situate your brick and mortar mortar in that particular location. Like you had to do this work before to figure out where to put your brick and mortar business. And so this is just the same thing. Instead of focusing on geography, though, you're going to focus on other characteristics about a person, not just where they live or where they work or where they go for a walk or where they drive by right? Like now you have to think about what else is similar with a certain group of people that I can go and target and make something for. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. The next one is pricing. Pricing is perhaps off. Yeah. You know, Sandy, I think pricing, at least for me, is the hardest thing to nail down. I, we like we spend so much time every time we're creating an offer or a program or a new, a new tier in our software platform, like how to price it and how to figure that out. And truthfully, like I think the best way to do this, you can have some informed conversations with your clientele, but truly the only way you really get pricing is by testing it. 
and being willing to like put something out at a certain price, see if it works. Like if you have a ton of people jumping in and on day one, like you know that you've probably priced it lower than you needed. And then if you have crickets, maybe you've priced it too high, right? Like you just have to test and iterate until you figure out your pricing. And this is also one of those things that just changes a lot. So you're you're mm-hmm. going to, it's not like you're going to figure out your price and never change it. Like market conditions are changing. The economy is changing. Like you have to be nimble with your pricing. Which is super easy to do on a digital format. And I, I think that there's a lot of paralysis around like launching because they don't know how to price. Yeah. I think the past couple points, they all are linked, like who you're speaking to and the value that you offer and the price are all linked together. And you can have the exact right person and the exact right value or product, but the totally wrong price. It just, they all flow together. So there's these three kind of variables or levers that you have to pull to figure it out. But absolutely, you need to understand that you can change the price. It's Mm -hmm. just the price and you can move it up and move it down all over the place, whatever you need to do, but you need to make a decision and move forward. Yeah. And we really teach value-based pricing, right? So that your pricing, initially you're putting that price out that's based on the value that your prospective clients are going to get out of your offer. And so it's not about like, oh, well, everyone on the internet charges $25 a month for online yoga classes. Like we want you to approach your business from the perspective that you're actually solving people's real problems and pain points. And you price your offering in accordance with that. Like how much is solving that pain worth to a person? Not by how many videos or yes. not by how many lessons yeah. or not by how many hours of coaching. Right. And so part of this is like, yeah, you're going to put this out and test it in the market, but, but it's not necessarily like jump and change the price if it doesn't work. One thing then you can do is start to make it clear what the value is that you're providing, right? Like if somebody doesn't want to pay $50 a month for your membership site or your membership program, then maybe you haven't made it clear that there's $50 worth of value. So you can either choose to listen to that feedback, lower your price, or you can do the opposite, which is I'm going to go add whatever I need to do or change my copywriting or my my marketing materials in whatever way I need such that that $50 a month value is easily communicated to people and understood. So like there's other, it's not just like, okay, pricing this off. I'm going to go change my price. It could be like actually my messaging around the value of my offer is off. Yeah, that's right. And that is such a hard point to get people to understand is they just want to do like the number of units, the number of videos, the number of audios. And it's not about that. And this pricing and and sort of stating your value is so much easier. If you are really targeted in your messaging and your marketing and what the value is, it all comes together so beautifully. Yeah, that's right. And the seventh reason why you may not be making enough money in your business has to do with your money mindset. And this is a topic that we have discussed at length on this show and in our previous podcast, the Soulful MBA podcast. Sandy, let's just go ahead and dive in. What are some of the money mindset issues that could be holding people back? Yeah, this is a huge, huge topic. So you could have all of these variables that we just spoke about perfectly in line and still not be making money in your business because of the way that you're thinking. So this could go back to like limiting beliefs around, I teach this and those teachers only make that much money. Or it could be like in my family, no one's ever made more than this much money. You could just be completely afraid to succeed, like a fear of failure or a fear of a success. 
Maybe you believe that you've just maxed out as much money as you can make. Maybe you believe that there's just, oh my God, Jenny, there's, there's so many things. Like it's just, this is a huge topic, but it's an interesting question to ask yourself. Maybe you don't know how to want. Maybe you are unsure of like setting a goal and wanting something really big because you don't feel like it's, you know, you feel greedy or there's like thinking around there that it's like, I, I have everything I need. I don't really need any more. Like your wants are matching what your needs are. I mean, yeah. You or you think you're selfish for wanting to make money. There's so much. And what I guess I will say that I've noticed about this particular issue is that this is what prevents you from taking action on these other, to resolve these other points that we've discussed. So the money mindset hang up is in, in many ways, like kind of an overarching reason why you're not making money because it's preventing you from seeing clearly on some of these other pieces or taking action to resolve them. So we just want to let you know that like you can have the best business idea with the best price with the biggest audience. with, And then like you, it still won't work or you're not going to be operating at your potential if your mindset is holding you back from taking action or speaking out about your offer. I tend to see this in our audience manifesting with people procrastinating and not putting their offer out because they're insecure in some way or another about people knowing what they're doing or thinking that there's something wrong with them. Yeah, salesy. Who knows? But just be aware that this could be, if you're not at your revenue and income potential right now, this could be one of the things that's keeping you held back and not reaching your goals. There we have it. There we have it. Okay, let's go ahead and dive into the joy and hustle. Okay, well, I have the joy for today. And I don't think I've talked about this on the show yet, but I might have because it's life has been crazy in recent months. But one of my favorite hobbies slash crafting activities is called Bargello. Have I talked about this on the show? No. No, no. Okay. only to you. Sandy knows because I show her what I'm doing. Not the Bargello again. <laughs> so there is this amazing Instagram account called Hello Bargello. And there is this online shop where you can order Bargello crafting supplies. But basically Bargello is this new hobby of mine that I absolutely love because it's like really, really easy and kind of rote. And I don't have to think or track anything too much. So I can just be busy with my hands and kind of... It's like a stress relief, to be honest. And I make these beautiful little creations. So it is this 1970s era Italian wool needlepoint kind of craft. It is bizarre. And I make things like tissue box cozies and sunglass cases. And Sandy is just rolling her eyes if you could see it. But it makes me so happy. And it's kind of funky and retro. And you can do like, they have a jean jacket embroidery pattern thing. It's like the, it's so fun. You know what you should make, Jenny? It's one of those like toilet paper holders. No, I the it. <laughs> it is not the same as what Sandy is talking about. <laughs> It is much hipper than what Sandy is talking about. Even though she's seen what I make and knows that it's cool, she's choosing to mock me for it. I am choosing. But to it mock is you like this what this amazing woman named Debrett, she has this cr- Brooklyn Craft Company store in Brooklyn and she also is the person who kind of revived Bargello. Like she found some patterns at a thrift store or something or at a market and then like rediscovered Bargello for the world. And she has a huge Instagram following and is doing like lots of really great stuff. But I will always be and have always been sort of in the crafting. That's like where my heart is in like the crafting world. (laughs) 
I have a whole connection to that, Sandy. And so Bargello brings me so much joy. And I encourage you, if you're looking for any kind of pandemic home-based activity that just lights you up and is fun and you can finish a project really quickly and it uses all this 100% Italian wool. So it's just really beautiful little colorways and stuff. It's so fun. So go check it out. Shut up, Sandy. (laughs) (laughs) You're so fun to bug. Okay. So the hustle this week, I have spent the last seven days deep into base camp. So Basecamp is one, they used to be 37 Signals, and it was always one of those software platforms that I heard about for many years as being like really innovative and a really cool company to work for. And just our company has grown so quickly that I was looking for somewhere that we can kind of have this sort of center hub product project management, a place to kind of start from and everything else kind of goes out from this one place. And so Basecamp is that for us. It's sort of this like combination of project management tool and tasks, and it could, you know, in theory replace Slack. So I just think it's a great product to know about if you do have a little bit of a bigger team, or if you work with clients and it's sort of project-based work that you would want to invite a client into Basecamp, have all the documents, have all the things, all the dates, calendars, and team, you know, all in one place. It's kind of an amazing tool. I haven't quite figured it out 100%, but I think that it's really going to revolutionize how we communicate with our staff, just again, like that central hub where everything will be stored and housed. Yeah. I think that because we have so many folks in our company, both as employees and contractors and and people that come in just on a project by project basis, they're just files and, <laughs> and assets and resources like scattered everywhere. And so there's just this, anytime I would need to find anything, there's like a a thousand places to look for a Google Doc and it's not, it doesn't belong. We know when a Google Doc doesn't belong to you, like you didn't make it, it's hard. Anyway, it's like a whole thing. There's a whole time suckage and waste that goes on with just trying to interact with a remote team of people across a bunch of different tools. So this is one tool that's meant to kind of centralize our storage of assets in our projects, like in, in these little hubs. So it so far, so good. I think it was a great idea to dive into it, Sandy. So thank you for, for taking the lead on that. Yeah. So if you work for us, <laughs> watch out. We're getting lots of Basecamp notifications soon. <laughs> All right, everyone. We will see you next week. Bye, Jenny. Bye, everyone. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start, to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba slash teacher to sign up. It's totally free.